0: We go all right now we're good. reached that age where I need my glasses. I use the 18 point font and everything else, and it's still small. Um, thanks for having me here today and uh, it's so great to be in this space with you. The last time I was here, you were still uh, meeting other places and you had a space there uh, down I think south of 401. And uh, it's great to, to. I drove around last night, saw this place, and uh, being inside, it's just great. You've done a great job decorating for Christmas, and uh, it's so great to be in person. Uh, with people again I don't take that for granted anymore it's just so uh, grand to be together whenever we can get to connect with real human beings and not have to do a zoom meeting or an online thing as great as that is and as grateful as I am for that technology uh, that helped us during the pandemic uh, which we're still in but uh, really helped us through the darkest days of the pandemic Uh, I'm so glad to be able to be here with you together in person my wife Becky is here with me as well today and uh, we're glad we can make the trip down to Brockville just uh, want to highlight one thing that uh, we do each year as BIC people. Uh, on your way in, I think on the table today you'll see a, a little guidebook that looks something like this. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been in the, the history or the, been, uh, the Advent season has been part of uh, your uh, faith practice or not. But for the last several years, we've discovered that lots of people are rediscovering Advent as kind of this uh, way to keep centered spiritually during the, all the consumerism of Christmas. And Advent is really an old practice of uh, taking the days uh, leading up to Christmas to just reflect and think about uh, some of the promises in Scripture of the coming Messiah and what it means to just wait in expectation uh, for the uh, incarnation and for the hope of Israel. And in that way, we also learn a little bit about uh, this in-between time between when Jesus came and when He'll return again, and what that means to to be faithful people during uh, in-between times. Uh, we put together this Advent devotional guide every year. It's free, and we have digital versions as well that you can subscribe to. Uh, and there's all kinds of opportunities for you to kind of link out to things in here, some great food recipes, some uh, instructions on making an Advent wreath that you're home, uh, some things that you can participate in together corporately as well, and so I encourage you to pick one of those up uh, today or follow the digital version uh, of that as well, and that's one of the things we do across all our BIC expressions uh, during the, uh, the Christmas season to kind of stay together. What I want to do today is uh, kind of uh, give you a kind of a, an overview, a little bit about who we are together. Um, for some of you, this will be kind of a refresher, Um, But for some of you, perhaps this is a whole new thing. Last week, I was down at a church uh, in Whitby, Ontario, uh, that is just joining us for the first time. And they're uh, kind of, we're coming into this dating relationship uh, together. And uh, they're going to be affiliating with us, Brooklyn Village Church. And uh, they don't know anything about the BIC. They don't know much about what it means to be an Anabaptist or what it means to be uh, Jesus-centered. I think they know about that intuitively. But uh, when we use that language, and so I had an opportunity just to explain Some of that to them, and I'm so glad that people are just uh, joining us in this thing that God is doing in our time. And so, I want to tell you a little bit about our wider church family that you get to be part of, that I get to be part of uh, in the BIC. Family, I think, is the best way to think about uh, this whole idea of what it means uh, to be in a denominational family, uh, a denominational relationship. Um, I've never been a particular uh, person that I would think is a denominational person. And So when God called me into this role, I think uh, it was kind of, he must have been laughing because I, I was never really kind of real big on denominations. I thought we were just kind of Jesus followers. Families, though, are uh, functional units. Uh, one isn't better than another. But uh, when, uh, when I took up with Becky, she had to get to know my family. And, and there's a lot of really great people in my family. And then there's, there's a few really strange people in my family as well. She could tell you about those people if uh, you get time afterwards in the coffee time. And uh, part of my story is those people... As well, And so, uh, in the body of Christ, we we have uh, all kinds of different kind of people, and they let us all in. That's the beautiful thing about being a follower of Jesus. He lets everybody in, including me. And so, uh, denominations are like families, I think. One's not better than another. It's just everyone has a unique story and a unique way of doing things. And so, the BIC are are very much like that as well. I was raised in another denomination, uh, the Evangelical Missionary Church. And uh, I went to York University uh, for a time and felt uh, a call of God to be in ministry. And so I went to Tyndale uh, in Toronto, Tyndale uh, College and Seminary at that time and got my theology degree. And during that time, I was interning at a church. It was my wife's church uh, that uh, I went to intern at and do youth ministry there. And eventually, I finished my seminary work, and I uh, went on staff, joined the staff of the church. And we, began, we got married and began our family And things went really great for for a long time. We have many wonderful memories of that time. But then some things really began to become uh, very difficult in that season of our life. Um, The person that was our mentor in ministry, that was the senior pastor of that church, uh, had really mentored both Becky and I, um, uh, entered into an extramarital affair with a person that he was counseling, and eventually left his wife and uh, uh, married that person. And so our whole church really, this just kind of triggered a whole trauma in our, in our fellowship, which was a beautiful fellowship, I felt, at that time. And there was really just a complete loss of trust. And I look back on that, and I realize we didn't grieve that whole experience very well. We just decided to try and move forward and pretend it didn't happen. And that kind of had some catastrophic um, things, um, influences, impacts on our church fellowship. On a personal level, um, our firstborn son, Ben, Uh, was four months old. And on Mother's Day weekend, uh, he began to spike a very high fever. We couldn't get him to settle down at all. uh, And he became very ill. Eventually, he began to seizure, and we took him to the hospital and found out uh, through that process that he had bacterial meningitis. And uh, we almost lost him uh, that first night. And several times after that, he was in hospital in Toronto uh, for six weeks and uh, came home to us very different than when he had had left us to go to the hospital. He was profoundly uh, handicapped after that, and for the next 19 years, we began a journey. And we're on a journey of um, parenting a child with a profound disability, and all that meant uh, for us as parents. We were obviously devastated by all these things that were going on during that time. God was doing some things in our hearts and lives as well during uh, that season that Uh, was kind of shifting our alignment. We began to to read passages of Scripture, like the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and we were really leaning in uh, to those values that we thought were right at the center of what what Jesus was calling us to be, values like servanthood, which we would talk a lot to our students about. Uh, The idea of the church being an outpost of heaven on earth, that you didn't have to wait to go to heaven when you died. You could begin to experience it here on earth in the church of Jesus Christ. That was like a city on a hill. Uh, Matthew says, glowing in the night for everyone to see, where people could come in and say, uh, follow Jesus like we are, join our community, join our fellowship, and experience this Jesus kind of life. If I keep pounding the table, I'll lose everything. And uh, we just started to lean into that, and we had a growing kind of sense that God was calling us uh, to something else. Um, We continued on in ministry, and and really just felt like um, in 1991, that time was was ending and so we should take a break and so we decided to resign I decided to resign and uh, look for a job during that six month time uh, between when I resigned and when I was going to leave the church I got in contact uh, with a fellow from the Brethren in Christ Church which I knew a little bit about I had an aunt and uncle that went to a Brethren in Christ Church but that was about it and uh, he wanted to have lunch with me and we'd made a promise to the Lord that we would just consider whatever the Lord had for us and uh, he said to me, I'm looking for some pastors. I wondered if you'd um, consider coming and being with the, with the Brethren in Christ Church. And he told me about several opportunities. Um, two of those we just, for various reasons, didn't feel very good about. But the one uh, down in the Niagara Peninsula, we did feel very good about at least checking out. But we really weren't too uh, convinced that we should go stay in ministry at this time. We felt like we just needed a break. And so we went down to this interview, and we were kind of cavalier about the interview. And um, I, 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 just looking back on it, um, they said that they wouldn't hire a young pastor. I was 32. They thought that was young. Um, They said they wouldn't hire the first person they interviewed. That was me. Um, Just a whole bunch of things were just off. But somehow God came and visited with us in that room, and we just knew together that, um, that God was there and was calling us to that place. And so uh, we answered that call and went there and joined, for the first time in our lives, the Be in Christ Church, uh, or the Brethren in Christ Church, as it was called in those days. And for the next uh, 19 years, we pastored that church, and the Lord blessed us. And I, I have to say that over those years, we just had this sense that we were home, that we'd come home. This was a place where we could raise our family. This is a place where we felt at home, theologically, where we felt at home in community, and uh, that applied to the denomination as well. We just felt like that we'd come home. In fact, we use that little phrase all the time. I have a slide, I think, up here. Um, we use that phrase all the time, uh, coming home. Twice a year, uh, I would gather our people by the door of our building. And uh, we, would, we would gather around the door, and we would just pray that people would feel that when they came through the doors of the place where we, we were meeting, that they would feel like they've come home. And uh, whether that was a wedding or a funeral, whether it was a children's program or coming in the church to pick something up, they would just feel like they, they'd come home. Over the years, we began to experience... Um, like I came to understand that that was kind of a mission statement, I guess. You're supposed to write a mission statement on the wall. Everybody's supposed to memorize it and believe it. I think the best mission statements are the ones you carry in your heart, uh, where you know who you are. And one... Uh, one Sunday, I was doing a baptism for this person. And uh, I, I always had asked the person to tell their story a little bit. And, and she said, um, I, was, I was far away from Jesus. I was far away from God. I, I used to go to Sunday school or something when I was a kid. But I, I just kind of drifted off from that. And then, then I found this church. And I really didn't know what I believed. But when I came in here, she said, it was the strangest thing. I just felt like I'd come home. I did not tell her to say that. I didn't. And that would happen over and over again, this sense that people would, would describe their spiritual experience in terms of, of coming home not only to Jesus, but to a community of people that believed in Jesus. And so that's my prayer for you as the peer, that people would come to this beautiful place that God has given you or to a gathering that you're having somewhere off-site that you're sponsoring and you're part of a community supper or whatever you're doing, feeding people in the community or blessing people in some way, that they would feel that when they're among you that they're at home, that they've come home. And there's something that's kind of curious, creates a curiosity in them about Jesus because of of the way you're living your life. Our verse as BIC people is uh, this verse. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he or she is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We like this verse because it's from the King James because it says be in Christ. If you look in the NIV, it says if anyone is in Christ, so the BIC thing doesn't work. So um, it's the BIC version. When I came to the Be in Christ Church. We were the brethren in Christ Church, and over time we kind of felt that that word wasn't working particularly well for a number of reasons, and so we just shortened it up. We're still BIC people, uh, but uh, we're the Be in Christ people. I like that idea. I like this verse because it describes, I think, a lot of what um, the way I think and the way we think together as a church about what it means to follow Jesus. Um, This verse describes your old self. The way you used to be. But then it describes what you can become. And it describes this idea of of, um, Jesus being involved in that transformation of your life. I like to be reminded that our old life doesn't have to define us. The things that we used to do, the way we used to be, all the things that were broken in our lives, don't have to define us going forward. Because in Jesus, we can start over. We get a do-over. And so we can begin to write a new and a better story. And I don't know what kind of family you're from, if you're from a really broken, messed up kind of family. I always like to remind people that we're from those kind of backgrounds that you can begin to write a new story for you and for your family. And Jesus can help you to do that and to find healing and forgiveness. That's the good news of what the gospel is all about. And that's what we really believe in. We believe in this transformation idea that uh, everything new is possible when you're in Christ. You're a new uh, creation. As BIC people, we believe that that is best experienced in community. That when we're becoming new creations, we're becoming new creations together. And so when people come into our fellowship, they ought to sense that we're a group of people that are continually in transformation. Transformation we have part of our heritage is a Methodist heritage. Um, The Methodist heritage, the Wesleyan Methodist heritage, has lots of things, but uh, they have this little idea that uh, says that that God can do more with sin than just forgive it. God can do more with sin than just forgive it. In other words, he can help you to get better. And I would hope if I came back five years, ten years from now, That you're just a little bit more like Jesus, just a little more happy in the Lord, as a friend of mine used to call it. A little more less grumpy, a little more like Jesus than you are just now. That God's helping you to continually improve, that you are a community of people that are continually in transformation. The Methodists discovered that they could get methods to help them do that. Programs that they would try to do, and those programs aren't sacred they're always transitional they're always changing but they're ways that help us and we still do those i saw a whole bunch of them on your screen today ways for you to help keep each other growing and keep uh, transitioning we are a people that believe that the good news of jesus isn't just for us it's for other people as well and so uh, we used to run a vacation Bible school at the church where I pastored. It was an old idea that we helped breathe some new life into in our community. Uh, I find in most communities these days the word Bible isn't the bad word. I see them swapping out the word school. You know, like what kid wants to go to school in the summer? we've got vacation Bible camp and stuff like that. But we, we would do this, and we had quite got to have a, quite a large vacation Bible school. And the workers used to, it just used to, bug them because i would stand up the first night and say boys and girls did you have a great time tonight and they'd all yell and scream because we liked them to do that and they would say do you have any friends i would say do you have any friends and they were yeah we have friends i said why don't you bring them tomorrow night to vacation bible school and the craft people would go nuts because they had prepared 20 crafts for the week you know what i'm talking about craft people And then tomorrow night, you have 25 kids, and they've missed the first night, and so they're a night behind. And then I would stand up on Tuesday night, and I'd say the same thing. If they haven't come the first two nights, it's okay. Bring your friends tomorrow night, and the craft people would go even more crazy. And I would say to them, we can buy more crafts. Get your workers to do two crafts each. Come in during the day and get a couple of crafts caught up. If we have extra crafts at the end of the week, we'll give them away. If one person finds Jesus on Thursday night, what are we going to say? We didn't have enough crafts, so you can't come? (laughs) You know? Like, that's kind of our thing. You can come and hear about Jesus. The door's open. There's always room for more. The bad news about that is we're not a kind of a, a bounded set. We're a centered set. We believe in Jesus, and so we keep bringing people in. And more people keep coming in, and we don't know their names yet. And we don't know their stories yet. And they're on a journey. They don't believe in Jesus yet. And it would be way easier if we just had the same 60 people every week, wouldn't it? But it's not the Jesus way. Because Jesus always has room for more. And so those are the kind of communities that we're trying to build. Our theme, our message, is the same across All our churches, whether you go to a meeting house or whether you're part of the the network or whether you're part of a reunion church plant or whether you're part of one of our traditional churches, um, our community churches, our theme is this, to be a growing faith community that is following Jesus, sharing his message, and extending his peace around the world. We believe that's expressed in in three simple words that kind of flow out of that be in Christ idea that new creation idea. First of all, people need to understand that they're beloved, that God loves us, that every person is loved by God, and they need to experience that love for themselves. Secondly, the idea of belonging. And I find these days that sometimes belonging comes before knowing that you're loved. People will come and join in and do something, often very good, uh, they'll come in and be part of a, a program to, to serve a community supper, but they don't know anything about Jesus yet, and that thing will, will begin to draw them in, and hopefully uh, the relationships they build there will create a curiosity. This idea of belonging, that that you can experience God's love and care through a local group of people, that you get a family as well as a love relationship with Jesus. And then this third part, that that you're becoming something new and fresh all the time, that each of us would see our gifts and our value and our potential and be on this process of discovering together who God wants us to be individually and who God wants us to be as a community. These are very old ideas whose time has come yet again. I believe this is what God wants us to be as a community. Author Steve LaHead wrote at one point about something that historically existed in America called the Orphan Train. He said this, In the last half of the 19th century, hundreds of thousands of immigrants poured into the city of New York. Families broke apart when many parents never reached America alive, leaving armies of young orphans to roam the city streets alone. A young minister named Charles Brace, appalled by the desperate plight of these children, hit upon a daring strategy. Along with a small band of concerned adults, Brace began writing letters and sending flyers to small Midwestern towns which lined the railroad tracks in a straight line west across the heartland of America. Stops were arranged, the train was advertised, and children were rounded up and put on the train with no specific designation in mind, but with the blind hope that some compassionate person at some point along the route would adopt them. The Orphan Train, and you can see lots of videos about this on YouTube if you want to look it up, the Orphan Train was the hope for nearly 100,000 young people who were adopted through that program. Lahead writes, Today the story of the Orphan Train is a sentimental and inspiring part of our history in America. But think about it. It is even more. A parable with a far deeper meaning. Every Christian shares something of the story of the Orphan Train Every one of us, every person on earth, comes into this world a spiritual orphan. We are lost, homeless, and alone. Yet some of us find the way to safety in Jesus. Through him, we become the sons and daughters of God, an image the Bible uses over and over again. When we become followers of Jesus, we are adopted into God's family. And like the orphans on the orphan train, revolutionary changes begin taking place in our lives. Becoming a Christian involves more than joining a club or subscribing to an idealistic lifestyle, much more. Jesus said it was as radical and jolting as being born again. The early Christians said that people who joined their ranks became new creatures. So much happens all at once that it often takes years to learn its full extent and what it means. In many ways, becoming a Christian is like being adopted. Suddenly... We have a new father, a new home, a new family, a new identity. Any one of these changes can overwhelm a person, but taking them all together, it's rather mind-boggling. Sadly, Lahead says, many new Christians never fully understand what has happened to them until much later in their life. That's too bad, because the more fully we grasp the significance of what it means to follow Jesus and to be loved by Jesus, the more immediate will be our enjoyment of our incredible Good fortune. This is a story we're working to write together as Being Christ people all over Canada. Uh, to be uh, Jesus centered, to build our lives on Jesus, to introduce other people to Jesus, to live out these Anabaptist values that we've learned out, the values of community and caring for each other and servanthood, of being an outpost of heaven, a city on a hill. To say to people, come follow Jesus like we do. We're not perfect yet, but you can follow Jesus along with us and learn about him. To call people into the life that we have together. When I grew up, we had southern gospel music. And every song, every other song, maybe every song, was about going somewhere else when you died. Every song was about heaven. And That was okay, but part of it kind of began to, I began to think, is there anything else to becoming a Christian than just going to heaven when you die? And we almost got to the point where we explained the gospel that way. The good news of Jesus is that you don't have to wait to be loved by God or to live life in all its fullness or to experience God's new kingdom till you die you can begin to experience that life right here and now. And so when we invite people to follow Jesus, we're inviting them into a life that begins now and extends on into eternity. I'm glad I have a home in heaven. I'm glad I'm going to be part of the new Jerusalem. But I'm glad that we can be God's people, setting the world to rights, as N.T. Wright says right now, being involved in God's good work in this world, experiencing his love for us. We tried to capture a little bit about what that means in a video a few years ago put together by the pastor of our parish congregation in Peterborough, Ontario, Aaron Holbrow. Enjoy this. Join me in prayer. Dear Jesus, I thank you today for this opportunity we have to be together in this place today. It's been really trying year and a half two years for us the thing that we love to do get together and be with each other we've not been able to do in the ways that we normally would and so we cherish these opportunities to be together to be your people to worship to just greet each other to hear your word to experience things together in community i pray your blessing upon the peer thank you for the story that the peer has written over these years for the people that planted this church, for the ways you've touched people's lives through the activities and the the ministry of this church over the years. I pray your blessing on Jason and his family and the whole pastoral team and staff here and all the leaders and all the people of this fellowship. I pray that this church would be a lighthouse in this community that would point the way to Jesus that there would be a sense that people are coming home here, that when they come into this place, they would sense a welcome, a sense that they are being found, that Jesus wants to speak to them, someone perhaps that they don't even know his name yet or aware of. And so, Father, I pray for each of us that we would be carriers of your good news and carriers of your light well into the week ahead. Bless us through this Advent season that we might uh, proclaim once again that Jesus is the hope of the world, that we have a good news story in spite of all the things and all the difficulties we've been through, that there is a light that shines in the darkness. And so, Lord, bless this fellowship, I pray. Thank you for the opportunity I've had to be here today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.